a few moments, but go ahead and turn to John 1. We'll eventually find our way to John 8, but we're going to start in John 1. How many of you, now for some of you, you're going to have to go back to your childhood. How many of you remember the song, This Little Light of Mine? You know what, instead of just talking about this, just stand up and let's sing this song. Because we're talking about the light of the world today. Now, while we sing this, we're going to do the motions that go with it, okay? So, Doug, thank you. You're never too old to do the motions to a song, okay? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine all the time. Let it shine, oh yeah. Hide it under a bush. I, I can't hear you. Hide it under a bushel. I'm going to let it shine. We'll hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine all the time. Let it shine. Oh, yeah. Don't let Satan it out. I'm going to let it shine. Don't let Satan it out. I'm going to let it shine. Don't let Satan it out. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine all the time, let it shine, oh yeah. Okay, you can be seated. Here's the good news. Not just in John's gospel, but all the way through scripture, here's the good news. Jesus came so that we don't have to live in the dark. Now, last week, we started a series looking at the seven I am statements of Jesus. In other words, there are seven times in John's gospel where he says something important about Jesus and about who he is, about his nature, about his character, about his mission. And so when you start looking at all the references of light, in the Bible, I was amazed at how many times uh, in Job, in Psalms, and in Isaiah, there are more references to light than in any other book of the Bible in those three. Well, when you look in John's Gospel, light is used to describe the work of Christ some 16 times in John's Gospel. And it's always a symbol, light is, that's been used throughout the Bible in connection with Christ. So, when you look in John chapter 1, John's Gospel begins with kind of a poem that deals with creation. And in that poem about creation, he talks about light and life and so i want to start should be on the screen here in john chapter 1 beginning in verse 1 let's read this together in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god he was with god in the beginning through him all things were made Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, 
and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Now, in those verses, and at the very beginning of John's gospel, here's what he's doing. He's introducing to us a theme of war. There's a war going on, and we're even involved in it right now as we speak. There's always been a war going on between spiritual light and darkness. And so here, Christ's light represents, and it brings to all of mankind life jesus later says in this gospel i've come that you may have life and have it to the full and so when you see that and you see that it represents light it's helping us see that it's all about the light of christ in john chapter one he uses the word was that's used in the imperfect tense and here's the good news about that. We don't have that in English. We have past, present, and future, and it also speaks of eternal existence. And so here's the importance of that. Not only was he the light, he was, he is, and he always will be the light. And for us as his children, that is good news. Amen? Now I want you to turn over a few pages to John chapter 7. And I want you to, all of this is bringing us to the backdrop of John chapter 8. In John chapter 7, verse 2, when the Jewish feast of tabernacles was near, Jesus' brothers said to him, you ought to leave here and go to Judea so that your disciples may see the miracles that you do. And so he's on his way in John chapter 7, to the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, this feast was the last of seven annual feasts of Israel that was commanded by God, and it's one of the three feasts that all of the Jews had to attend. They were required to attend one of these. And so God had inaugurated this feast to help the people of Israel remember that for 40 years, they had just kind of been wandering around in the wilderness. And so during that time, you remember, he provided manna from heaven, and we're reminded that Jesus was the bread of life last week. Then God had provided water out of a rock, and Jesus was reminding them that he was that living water. And then during the wilderness, God would provide a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire to lead the children of Israel. So here's what would happen. During that feast, you had four really large candelabras that were placed in the court of women in the temple. And these lamps were kept during all the days of the festival, which took place for a week. And they were there to remind the people of that pillar of fire which had guided them in the wilderness. And so one thing that made this feast different from all the others is that for those seven days, the entire nation, they went on a camp out. Okay? And during that camp out, every family moved outdoors into temporary shelters made of branches and leaves to remind themselves of the hardships 
that their ancestors had undergone during that time. And so I want you to imagine this scene. In the very court where the lighting ceremony takes place, Jesus is standing there beneath 16 bowls of oil and says that he's not only the true light of Jerusalem, and he's not just the light that you saw in the wilderness or even of Israel, he says, I am the light of the world. What a statement. He's light, not just for a select group of people, but he is light to all the world, which represents life. So not only am I light, Jesus says, but I'm bringing what will give you life and what will give you meaning day after day after day. And so when they were lit at night, I want you to imagine this, they were absolutely, it was the brightest light in all of Jerusalem. And it's just a reminder where Jesus can say, I am the light of all of this. Now turn the page to chapter 8. And I want you to picture this scene. There's a group of people gathered around Jesus, and they are eager to hear his teaching. And he sits down, just like any teacher would do, and he sits down and he begins to teach. And all the people had gathered around him. Now, if you look in verse 3 of chapter 8, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, they come walking in and they bring a lady who had been caught in the act of adultery. Now, I want you to imagine that scene for a moment. Imagine that scene. Everybody's gathered around. Jesus is there about to teach. And here comes the good old Pharisees. And not only are they coming, but they are bringing the accused. And they bring her in front of the whole group. Now, what would you do right now if I started walking around this audience and I just grabbed somebody to come up here with me to stand before this audience for me to say, here is this person's sin. What would you do? If you knew that I was about to do that right now, what would you do? You would probably walk out of here, wouldn't you? Or you would pray, please don't come and get me, right? I mean, nobody wants their stuff exposed to the whole world, right? Well, the Pharisees, they do that, and they bring this woman before the group, and, and look what they say. They say, now, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So, Jesus, what are you going to say about that? And they're using that question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. And instead of answering with words first, what does Jesus do? 
he bent down and he started to write on the ground with his finger. And all this time, this woman probably has her head bowed down just waiting to hear and to see the blow that she's about to receive, right? And so Jesus wrote, and they kept on questioning, and then, that's when he straightens up, the Bible says, and he said to them, if any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. He said that, he stoops back down again, and he continues to write. And at this, those who heard began one by one, slowly but surely, exiting the scene. They left. And so when Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, she said. And then what does Jesus say? Neither do I. Now, that's the scene. That's what happened. But I want you to see what Jesus does. At that very moment, what we see is that Jesus was the light of the world for that woman. And all of a sudden, as he's being the light of the world, his light illuminated all the darkness of her sin for her to realize, maybe I have hope. You see, we are all here this morning because Jesus, the light of the world, has spoken and he has said, there is hope for my children. Amen? And there's not only hope, there's a way out. There's a way for you to live with me. And so it's against that backdrop that all of a sudden the religious leaders couldn't condemn the woman because they had come face to face with their own guilt. And so next time before you and I are so ready to point out that what somebody else did, let's remember that we too are guilty. We're as guilty as we look, as the saying says. Jesus, not only is the light of the world, he was being light at that moment for that woman. What a great example. And it's against that backdrop of events that Jesus makes this declaration beginning in verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. 
And again, the Pharisees challenged him. Here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. And Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, for I know where I came from, and I know where I'm going, but you have no idea where I come from or where I am going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one, but if I do judge, my decisions are right because I'm not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. And in your own law, it's written that the testimony of two men is valid. I am one who testifies for myself, and my other witness is the Father who sent me. And then they asked him, where is your father? You do not know me or my father. Jesus replied, if you knew me, you would know my father also. And he spoke these words while teaching in the temple area near the place where the offerings were put. And yet no one seized him because his time had not come. And once more, Jesus said to them, I'm going away and you will look for me and you will die in your sin and where I go, you cannot come. But he continued, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. And I told you that you would die in your sins if you do not believe that I am the one that I claim to be. You will indeed die in your sins. Who are you? They asked. Just what have I been claiming all along? Jesus replied, I have much to say in judgment of you, but he who sent me is reliable. And what I have heard from him, I tell the world. They didn't understand that he was telling them about his father. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am the one I claim to be and that I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. And the one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him, even as he spoke, many people put their faith in him. Church, I want you to mark this down this morning. When no one else will stand with you, Jesus will. That woman had no one. That woman in John 8 had no one to stand with her. And all the religious leaders and all the Pharisees, I mean, they're filing out one by one and when all will leave, the one that you want left standing with you is always Jesus Christ. And not only that, he again is the light of the world. He is the one that can give us life. And so although analogies could be made to light in general, I believe Jesus had a particular one in mind here. And when you read the rest of John chapter 8, what he's declaring is, I am the glory that these candelabras symbolize. Okay? And he's drawing attention back to the cloud, but it's almost as if he was saying, I was the one who was with you then. I was the one who protected you. I was the one who guided you. I was the one who enveloped the tabernacle, I am the glory. And so what these candelabras represent is the glory of the Lord. 
So when each one of the accusers walked away, do you see what they really walked away from? They walked away from Jesus. They walked away from what light represents in and of itself. And so you can't help but when you read this scene here, you can't, you can't help but see that what his identity is for us is this. He looks into the darkness of your life. He looks into the darkness of my life. And what does he say? He says, regardless of all of that, I still want you to come follow me. Regardless of what's going on, I want you to come follow me. You see, church, it's one thing to know Jesus. It's one thing to have the knowledge of Jesus. It's another thing to follow after him day after day after day. Because what Jesus is speaking of here is wholehearted, lifelong discipleship. Not just a casual acquaintance. Not just, oh, I'm having a bad day, so I need Jesus, the light of the world, with me right now. It's not that kind of relationship. It's the kind of relationship where you are with him 24-7, good, bad, ugly, everything in your life because you realize he's the author of it. He is the finisher of it. He is the very one who can bring light and life to who you are. And so we've got to remember that if there is anything that is standing in the way, if there's anything that's standing between you and God, it's got to be removed. Because you're going to have a hard time reflecting His light if something's blocking the way. Now what is that something for you? I don't know. Only you can answer that. But we all have something, right? We all have some things that from time to time stand in the way of our relationship with Jesus. And so when you look at this text and you walk away from it, you can't help but realize that it's the light of Jesus that brings attention to the fact that we all have a need. And our greatest need is in the person himself, Jesus. And when we begin to realize that, we see that light brings hope to those who seem hopeless. It brings hope to those like this woman who could think in herself and in her mind, I don't stand a chance. Nobody's going to be there for me. But the longer that she stayed with Jesus, she began to realize that Jesus himself, being the light, gave her a new direction, just like he does for us. And so I wonder today, when you look at this scene and you read this text and you begin to realize that not only is Jesus the bread of life, but now he says, I'm the light of the world. 
My question is, is he the light of your world? Is he the light of your world? If he's not, who gets to make a move? Not God. You do. If he's not the light of your world, and whatever it is that's standing in the way that's keeping that light from really shining like it needs to be, that means that you and I, as his children, have some soul-searching to do to figure out what is it that's blocking my relationship with Jesus. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Lord, as we come to a close of this study, I pray this morning that you will shine the light of your face on us as your children. I pray that you will shine it on our sins, on our depression, on our lack of passion sometimes for you, on our sheer ignorance. Jesus, just shine the light of your face on this church. And help us in everything that we strive to be about. Help us to be your hands and your feet and your mouthpiece. Father, thank you for not only claiming with your Son, but for delivering with us the truth that your Son is the light of the world. Be with us, Father. And help us to draw closer to you. In the name of Jesus, we all say, Amen. As we stand this morning to sing this song, I want you to think about that question. Is Jesus the light of your world? That's the challenge, and that's the call for us as his children.